and welcome to SpexCast, a podcast about the science and technology of space exploration. My name is Phil, and I'll be your host today alongside Drew. Howdy. TJ. Hello. And returning for this special episode, Augie. Hello. SpexCast is brought to you by RIT Space Exploration, also known as SPEX, a student faculty research group at the Rochester Institute of Technology. On this podcast, we delve into the technologies that make space exploration possible. You can learn more about Spex and SpexCast at our website, specs.rit.edu. Today, we'll be reflecting on the past two years of SpexCast. Regular episodes will return next week, and you can let us know what topics you would like us to discuss by sending us a tweet at RITSpecs or emailing us at specscast at gmail.com. So yeah, happy birthday to us. SpexCast, first, our first episode, actually our first three episodes came out on March 1st, 2016. Woo, wow. Wow. <laughs> Since is it, then, is it uh, weird that that doesn't feel very long ago at all? Yeah, it doesn't feel that long ago. I mean, in the meantime, we've published over 40 episodes. And the three of you have graduated. <laughs> yeah, and we took like four hiatuses in between them. So that's a lot of episodes, though. For, but to give it context, that was before the first uh, first stage Falcon Nine landing. So yeah, I guess it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah one of the well, first three episodes was on reusability. Yes. Yeah, I think so. This will be technically the Holly interview will be the fiftieth piece of content uploaded to our podcast feed. So this will be the fifty first. But that's that's insane. That's a lot. Hours yeah, so, and hours and hours of us talking about stuff. And even more hours of editing and, and scheduling and planning and things. So this whole episode today, um, we're going to look back at the origins of the podcast, our favorite memories, moments, and probably at the end we're going to talk about what's next and our plans for the future. So let's talk about how this podcast came to be. I think we've touched on it a little bit here and there. Yeah, I think but, we've we've told the story once or twice, but it's good that me, you, and Augie are all here because way back in mid December, uh, twenty fifteen. So this is before Orbcom two landed. Uh, so before reusable rockets were even a, a part of reality, uh, we were all members of RIT Space Exploration. So that was a student faculty research group. We meet every weekend, work on projects. That's how all, we all met. Got to know each other, and I even before that I remember being on the high altitude balloon team. And we meet in the senior design lab, and we have our hour long meeting or so, and then we'd stay after and talk about space for like an hour or two longer than we needed to to be there, and we had these really really fun discussions. And so uh, at the end of every semester, the entire team goes to this bar across from campus called McGregor's, and we have a whole dinner with our academic advisors and the whole team and just trying to relax and de-stress before finals. And when you get 20-something space nerds at one table, you're going to talk about space. And so we have these really intense dinner conversations, most likely about SpaceX and reuse because it was, you know, half a dozen attempts had all failed up to that point. And I don't know who suggested it. It was like, we should record ourselves and just put it on the internet because, like, we have these a lot of fun talking about this, and like it's fun for us. But 
I'm sure other people out there would want to hear and discuss and join the conversation with us. Yeah, I re- what I remember from this is we were eating dinner, and it was me, TJ, and Augie is what I remember. I don't remember if you were there, Drew. I was not. Um, yeah, so we were all talking, and we were having like this heated discussion on whether reusability would take off, whether they were, SpaceX was going about it the right way, all this other stuff, talking about not only um, reusability, but the space industry and the future of it. A lot of the things we keep talking about to this day. And it was the three of us having this really technical discussion. And I remember we were kind of like, we had the whole half of the table and everyone was listening to our conversation instead of talking to each other. And I was having a lot of fun. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I, th- I think I was the one that suggested it. Um, Cause I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was participating in the conversation and thinking to myself, you know, I would, I would listen to this. Um, so yeah, I remember you bringing that up, Phil. Yeah. So I, I, it's kind of funny that I just wanted to have more conversations like that and being turning into a podcast. It was kind of just like a, a bonus thing that I wanted to share the the joy it was bringing me. And we moved pretty quickly too. After the end of the semester dinner, basically we came back the next semester and we were immediately looking for like rooms to record, microphones to get, um, looking at like different programs that we could use to record and edit the footage. And we had three done before March. Yeah, I think the the first recording session uh, is always kind of a fond memory because right now, yes, we're all geographically isolated and our audio goes from very good to very bad, depending. Depending on who's speaking, like what I speak versus <laughs> with you guys. Well, we have Yetis. some people. We have some people call in on on phones, and then a couple episodes ago, my computer was recording my my built-in mic rather than the Yeti, so uh, that one sounded like yeah. I was talking through a wall. But generally, we've improved. Yeah, we'll talk about like the steps we do to fix audio quality in a second. But we were in a library study room which you would assume is relatively quiet, but the library has AC, and the AC kicks on, and your brain just cuts that out when you're in the room. But when you record, that becomes very loud and very obvious relatively quickly. Yeah, and, and it's so I all think, windows that are all flat surfaces, and another thing your brain cuts out is the echo and the, the reverb. Yeah, it was um, just an entirely plain white walls. Yeah, I think I had a an iPad with a recording app I think, Augie, you had your iPhone with just iPod or iPhone earbuds. Yep. And it's just us sitting across the table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, we did it. it. It got the job done. And that episode uh, was the first one we kind of, we used that as our promo, like when we when we launched it and we shared that one around. And I think because a lot of people like to go back and listen to episode one before and then you know, continue on to the present. That episode uh, on rocket reusability still has like some of the most downloads out of all our podcast episodes so far. Yeah, it's definitely a really good start. And like, I think it still is a good introduction to what like we wanted the show to be, where it's let's have this topic, which to be fair, in early 2016 was still kind of a fringe topic yes spacex landed the first booster and got a lot of press 
But I still remember whenever I'd read an article about SpaceX, it was first private company to send a spacecraft to the ISS. That was the, like, if you're going to know what SpaceX is and what they do, that's the right. only the de facto soundbite to describe the company. And now in early 2018, it's Falcon Heavy and Crew Dragon and landing boosters and BFR. And so they've built up a much larger reputation in the media. So when a website does a story, they have half a dozen things to choose from as that main, like, this is why you should care. I wonder at the time how many users were subscribed to the SpaceX subreddit. Because if you were to go on now, it's probably number of active users at any one time is probably more than how many were subscribed at that time. Yeah, that was pre-IAC 2016, so before the big Mars announcement and all that kind of stuff. So we're talking a pretty long ways away. Well, it was before, like we said earlier, the landing the Orbcom booster, and I know they had a ton of jumps in subscribers after that happened. And I really think it's it's fitting that our first episode was in rocket reusability, because that probably is and probably will be the rocket advancement of the decade, if even the whole like next 50 years. Um, I mean, it's it's you're going to be hard-pressed to find another advancement in the next 50 years that can top the reuse of rockets. Now, you can leverage that by building, you know, reused second stages and, and stuff like that, but I really think that's that's really the turning point for the industry. And taking a look at the two other episodes we put out, uh, the second one was gravitational waves. And that's something that's you know relatively special to all of us because RIT, the Compu Center for the Computational Relativity and Gravitation, performed the simulations that the team at LIGO compared their results against. So RIT is the co-discoverer of gravitational waves. Um, so it's definitely, I think it's an opposite end of the spectrum of the space science and astronomy stuff that we've done as well. And it's really interesting to see rocket engineering and astrophysics, you know, be a part of our first initial launch. Yeah, and the funny thing is that the third episode was at that same recording session when we talked about gravitational waves because one of us mentioned the book Brave New World, which is kind of a dystopia about the, you know, alternate reality future um, by Aldous Huxley. And we just kind of geeked out about the book. And, uh, what I like about that is that uh, these three episodes are basically what we want this podcast, what we wanted it to be, and we it, what it still is. Like, you know, we're talking about tech in the industry, science and space, um, and just kind of nerding out. Those are the three things that we hold dear and, and try to stick by. And it's definitely the sign of we talk about stuff that we're really, really passionate about. Because I think we spent over an hour just debating Brave New World after we had already spent an hour talking about gravitational waves. Um, and so it's something that Phil and I, and the best part about that is that Phil had the comp read the same book and had a completely opposite take on it. And I was like, I've never heard this take and it makes so much sense and I love it. Well, he, ju so he just fun. described it as a dystopia in Phil's thing. So I was wondering if you were going to claim that it was a utopia instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, like it's a dystopian novel, but you know I don't listen to what the episode says. But you know, there's it's just good. <laughs> listen yeah. to the episode. <laughs> yeah, and we we tried to revive that uh, 
by doing reading some other books like Ignition by John D. Clark and Gotta read the book to talk I gotta (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really well written. It's very entertaining, but there's a lot of chemistry that if you're trying to actually understand what's going on, you need probably a PhD. What uh who's all read Ignition? TJ's read it, Drew, have you read it? Yep. Yeah. And Phil's plugging through. I'm the one holding this back. I got to chapter four or something out of 11 i think that's where he talks about the hyper goals and their mates and it it does get very chemistry heavy there there's lots of really really long words because they're talking about like chain molecules it's wonderful Hmm. okay let's let's move on and talk about the process of how an how a podcast episode comes to be and um the first part of that is actually recording in a spot. We mentioned that we started out in the library. Uh, we kind of were nomads at that point, just looking for an empty space where we could, that was quiet enough. Yeah, we tried that one time in the dorms. We tried um, like an empty classroom. It was like an auditorium style classroom a couple times. And it was just an empty space and we knew the professor. So we got in there. That actually worked out pretty well. I enjoyed that room. There were a lot of yeah. foam panels on the walls, which helps. Yeah, and uh, one time we recorded an episode in a lab space where you guys built your high-altitude balloons. <laughs> Which is <laughs> all, you know, again, glass walls. It's, if we had a video podcast, that would be sick. But mm-hmm. nobody knows we're in the lab when. <laughs> it's just audio. And the main um, issue with that room is, like, it's on the f- uh, like secret fourth floor of the engineering building. It's in the corner, and no one, like, a dozen people have access to it. It's super quiet supposedly super isolated but we get in there and there's just a massive ac vent blasting and there's no way to turn it off it's like this would be the perfect space to record and we can't use it yeah so finally uh through tj your network of professors and student people you know found this one lab at at rit that is an honest to god recording studio like Mm -hmm. there's a setup they have ableton live they had their own microphones and they had a soundproofed room um, they had a, was, a double level soundproof room yeah so they had the recording booth and then the operation booth were both behind like these heavy soundproof doors all the sound insulation and yeah. it's actually a fun story where uh, i'm a game design and development major and my department has a sound recording studio for sound effects and voiceovers for games and they have one class they teach in there. And other than that one class, which meets once a week, uh, it's pretty open and barely good to use. And so special thanks to IGM, special thanks to the lab managers who work there, who really assumed that they were just going to sit there and play World of Warcraft their entire shift. And we're like, hey, can we use this lab? And they're like, I don't know how to set it up. So if you guys know the controls and can figure it out, sure. Uh, and that was an awesome awesome place to record uh and we use that for many many episodes and that definitely that solved our mid mid-range problem of uh not having a, a quiet place to record during the early days well more than more than just a place to record they also had the mixing and recording equipment that we could use to get high quality audio which i was extremely thankful for. they also had very nice mics but right. even before finding a recording space We try and come up, at least nowadays, we didn't necessarily at the beginning, but nowadays we try and come up with a plan of what we're going to talk about, at least a topic, and then we 
do a rough outline. But you know, the early days, it was just get together and just rant about whatever the topic is. There wasn't there wasn't research. I mean, I still do that. To be fair, I just show up. <laughs> yeah, we'd, the amount of planning that goes into each episode really varies. Where things like our live episodes that we do for Imagine IT, we have not every sentence scripted out, but every paragraph. Like these are our topics. These are the points we want to hit. This is the order. This is who's going to say them because we're live. We want to, to roll off the tongue well. And there's some topics where it's like, okay, uh, what what did we post in Slack that's on the news this week that we can talk about? And we just kind of go off on random tangents and Phil, the saint that he is, cuts that down into something that's intelligible and we end up having a good episode. Now we've that. done a couple live shows. Yeah. Uh, and I think only one of them has gone out because the other one got corrupted at last year's Imagine RIT. Yeah, we didn't yeah, have the Which is sad. We talked with a very... Um, very interesting professor, one of our advisors, Dr. Jennifer Connolly, and we talked about astronomy and galaxies and, and the local mm-hmm. planets. And she's she's been on the show in the past, and it's always really fun to talk to her. She's a, amazing to listen to as well. So Yeah, and one thing that's helped in the early days was getting microphones. So we managed to graduate from terrible iPhone uh, microphones and just the iPad microphone and I think Phil, you for your what early birthday present, got a Yeti microphone. Yeah, my mom got me a, a Blue Yeti because um, I've been talking about podcasting a lot and, and stuff like that. So that was our first quote unquote like next level <laughs> real microphone that we could bring on the road with us. Yeah, and um, like so we'd have like we get into a room, sit around the table, and we set it into like conference room mode. And we'd all talk through that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we'd set it in the omnidirectional where you could anybody could speak and it would hopefully absorb the, the sound. Yeah, and every at every turn, like, we ran into problems. Um, anytime we mess with a setup, there are problems with it. Even, so, like, now if we all have separate microphones and stuff, I can, if someone talks over someone else or, you know, sneezes, I can mute their microphone in the in the track that everyone else gets to hear. But when it's omnidirectional and we're only using one, if one person is quiet and one person is loud and one person sneezes, like there's no real control. It's just all straight through the pipe. Um, so we thought, oh, okay, that's fine. We'll get more microphones. So we applied for a grant through RIT, the Interactive Learning Grant, um, asking for just more Yeti microphones. The Yeti was great. Sure. Let's get some more. Uh, and it came through, which was amazing. Um, Augie, TJ, you guys put together the grant and mm-hmm. um, and got it. And that, that was amazing. We ended up naming them. We got three more microphones, Atlantis, Discovery, and Endeavor, naming them after uh, the shuttles. What was yours name? Did we name yours, Phil? <laughs> I, I have some tape, like caution tape, except it says dev test article, and I wrap the box in that. So mine's, I guess that makes mine enterprise, right? But yeah, so unfortunately, that didn't even solve the problems because they're all USB. And so we could, hook, couldn't hook them up right into the computers, so we all had to bring our own laptops. It's been a struggle. This whole conversation oh is reminding me, like early days, I wasn't part of this. I joined Specs the semester that this podcast started. 
and I joined the HAV team, which Augie what? was leading at the time. And on the HAV team, there there was just one day where uh, TJ and Augie were just talking about either settling Mars or the moon, and they just went at it for like, not not at each other, they both had pretty much the same idea, they were very in favor of Mars. Um, but I just listened and then asked a couple questions as they talked for at least half an hour, probably more than that, after the meeting ended. Uh, and that's how I got hooked on on this idea. But we had an earlier cast of people. James Parkus uh, was on quite often in the early episodes. Anthony for mm-hmm. a few. And we just had Anthony back now that he is a PhD student out in Washington, D.C. Do you guys want to hear what my workflow is now? For in terms of uh, actually producing these episodes. Yeah, sure. Let's yeah, go through the, the life of an SpexCast episode. <laughs> okay. It starts out with someone having an idea. We're like, oh, we should do a podcast episode about this. Or a listener writes in and they're like, hey, have you heard of this other thing? And it gets tossed in a, a big document or sometimes not. I don't know, floating around in our heads. Uh, we should do a podcast episode about whatever. Then TJ makes a big planning document compiles all the information. Um, we do it in Google Docs so we can all edit it, and we use that as our outline during the show. Sometimes we'll have uh, someone be interviewed, in which case we have to do some scheduling. Um, then we all get into usually Google Hangouts, and I'll record ourselves on our own computers. So this is, this is where it kind of gets janky. Everyone records their own audio on their own computers, puts them in Google Drive, and I just started using uh, the digital audio editor, Reaper, and I take all the WAV files, put them in there, and edit every single person's track to make it so that nobody's talking over each other, everyone sounds about the same level. If Drew sounds like he's coming through the wall, I have to mess with the EQ and filter out the noise, Never happened. raise the parts that you can actually hear, and cut out the parts, the ums and the uhs, and it usually takes me about, for as long as an episode is, multiply that by two or three is how usually long it usually takes me to edit an episode. So the longer episodes take a lot more work. And when I try to edit an episode, it takes about four times as long. There are a couple times we tried to do transcripts, and transcribing the episode after it's been edited is probably a multiplier of ten. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So after it's all cut together and we put the music on, um, you know, some of the episodes I actually take in clips of a video, splice that in. Usually it's like when like the IAC talk, when Elon says something, instead of just repeating what he says, I cut that in there. We boil that down into an MP3 for everyone to hear and publish it to the Internet. So we're looking for I'm looking for tips on how to improve that. But I've gotten pretty good with the macros and and stuff like that. So it usually takes about a week. After we record a week and to cut it down into something worth hearing. Yeah, and once Phil has the semi-final MP3, we all listen to it for audio export issues, which happens sometimes. We haven't had any bad ones recently. And we used to be a little more strict about like factual errors and other things. And we really, really try to avoid having to do that post. We'd rather just do that while we record so we try to make sure that we have all of our citations ready and our facts in the planning document before we start recording because taking an episode doing the full edit publishing it semi-publishing as mp3 
And then when Phil's at work and I'm at work and I'm listening, I was like, oh, I, I misspoke and this needs to be changed. It's a huge pain. So we try to get that, avoid that during recording rather than right before we push. Okay, enough about technical stuff, about uh, audio. You know, let's talk about, uh, Augie, you go first. What are your some of your most memorable or favorite yeah. moments uh, being part of this podcast? And maybe list your top three episodes that you hmm. uh, were on. Yeah, good question. My top three episodes are probably uh, the first one, the very first one we did on Rocket Reusability, which we already talked a bit about. The asteroid mining one. Actually, we did two of them, both with Anthony, and they were both really, really enjoyable. And then I love the interview with uh, Commander Chris Hadfield. That was great. Um, I'm sure that might have made you guys' list as well. We'll see. Yeah. But those are yeah. probably my top three episodes over the past two years. I really liked the asteroid mining episode because Anthony had done like at least a research report on the viability of asteroid mining. And so he had done all the research and all on to what are asteroids made out of, what are the different types, what are different ways of harvesting them and processing them and that kind of stuff, but had done some kind of analysis on, okay, this could cost this much money and we can extract this much value and how that might affect future markets, right? When something's super, super rare and super, super valuable, if you flood a hundred million tons of that material, is it still valuable at that point? Yes, he wrote his thesis on like uh, what public policy action should be taken to make that a viable um, business or whatever. But no, it was a ton of fun. And I, uh, I, I think every time Anthony's been on has been like a very unique insight because he's in the, the thick of things looking as a professional career into space policy and how NASA and other organizations work in space. And it's really, uh, it's stuff that we don't really have direct experience with drew how about you what are your top three episodes and some memorable well my top three episodes probably in no specific order was uh episode 25 where we talked with uh, dr terry kuchera from goddard um we talked about solar sciences and the stereo satellites uh i thought that was just a really interesting technical conversation so that was one of my favorites and then going back to some of the, the earlier stuff. Episode 3, Moon versus Mars, which should we colonize first? That was, I wasn't part of that episode, but that was one of my favorites to listen to. Um, and then, I mean, the, the Commander Hadfield one was fantastic. He's a fantastic person to interview. Um, but also a special shout out to the Q&A episode with the members of the CCRG, which TJ mentioned earlier, uh, because Brendan Ireland especially was fantastic on the mic. And he gave us, or that episode gave us Space Whales, so I recommend checking that one out. Yeah, um, I mean, the CCRG episode uh, on gravitational waves with the space whales and stuff, hands down, one of the most fun episodes to do. Yeah, with the CCRG, I don't know if that was the first episode I wasn't on, but I remember that you got, I, I had a contact with CCRG, Monica Rizzo, uh, it was my year. And we were CSA freshmen together. And so she worked on the team and we set that up. And then I was couldn't make it for recording. I was in California when the episode got published. 
And I remember just driving through California, having it on the car stereo, and just being like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Because I think that was the first time we had a guest outside of Specs. It was, yeah. And it I was, was like, when we started this podcast, I never would have thought we've had this opportunity to talk to an actual researcher who is actually working on detecting gravitational waves. This I think is that crazy. probably got us hooked because that was some of our favorite episodes, at least most of mine, have been the interviews. Yeah, and uh, the space whales <laughs> episode. Um, that's what kind of clicked for me when I when I was we were recording it, and then again when I was editing and listening to it. You know, that's what made it seem like wow, this is actually a thing. I want to stick with this for a long time. That episode is what did that for me. Um, and so my top three include that one. Also, um, the interview with Commander Chris Hadfield. There's a funny story behind that, too. Um, so Chris Hadfield was kind of talking with people and just telling stories about being a test pilot. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, heard the end of one of his stories and being, like, blown away. And then... Afterward, he had to go, but he was saying hi to the people listening. And I went up and shook his hand. And I didn't even say, like, like hi or, or anything. I shook his hand and said, hi, I'm so glad to meet you. My name is Phil. I do a podcast. Do you want to be on it? And, like, I just said it so fast because I knew I, I couldn't do it any other way. Expecting him to be like, oh, no, you know, whatever. Like, thanks, but no thanks. He just said, sure, here's my email. <laughs> I emailed him and um, got in touch with his uh, manager, publicist or whatever. And she was so nice. And then the day of the interview, it was like 10 minutes beforehand, 15 minutes before we were set to record. I get a phone call from her and I expect it to be cancellation, you know, because it's like, come on, we're talking to an astronaut, Chris Hadfield. No way, that can't be real. She calls me. Hi, uh, sorry, I just wanted to let you know that... Um, Commander Hatfield was going to be about five minutes late because he has to drop his son off at school. And I was like, oh my God, this is so wholesome. Um, but yeah, and then when we got to talking about things, he had, it was just so, such interesting opinions and views. And we were talking with an astronaut. Um, yeah. And so with that episode, like talking to someone who's been in space, like that's something that just blew my mind i think blew all of our minds and i think a really fun part about that was we had five people on the line or six because it was augie was there drew was there i think chris mm -hmm. was there as well and james and so we had kind of the everyone who's been on Specscast pretty much on that call because it was everyone was super super excited to talk with him and that kind of reflects on Another reason why we started this podcast was to, before reaching out to the global community, which has been awesome, the specs community, where we have dozens of undergraduate and graduate students who are excited about engineering, excited about space. And for me, it kind of started as a way for the few of us to talk about space, be excited, and try to inform people we knew personally through that outlet. And so I think... A good number of Specs members listened to that episode and really enjoyed it and came up to us after. I was like, that was awesome. Do more of that. What I really liked about it was that we asked questions and got really great answers to things that 
hadn't really been asked in other interviews before. They weren't, you know, the basics of what's it like to be in a one-man spacecraft floating above the Earth, which every answer you hear from an astronaut on that is awesome and expands your mind so much to hear what they have to say. But I think we asked very intelligent questions on topics that were technical but hadn't been really asked before. Yeah, I still remember we asked him a question about Crew Dragon and the idea that SpaceX had to do propulsive landing and what his thoughts were on that and how he would feel about basically landing a spacecraft back on Earth, kind of like the shuttle was. And uh, his response I I thought was really interesting where he just really talked about, first, I just need to understand how it works. And that's like the number one priority. And I don't think I don't think a lot of people always think that way. And that's kind of the engineering mindset at work there is what he's doing is he's like, you know, you get on a, you get on a a moving, what was it like the walking? I think he made an analogy toward the walking. um, What's that thing at the airport called where you moving walk, moving walkway. And he's like, you know, you understand how the motors in that work and you get what's going to happen. You get the things that can go wrong. You understand all that stuff. You feel comfortable as a result going on the moving walkway. But in the case of, you know, something like propulsive landing, First, we need to understand, you know, what it's going to be, what it's going to look like before we have any thoughts or strong opinions on it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had one more top, one more episode of my top three, um, and that was our interview with Tori Bruno. Um, This episode, much like the Chris Hadfield one, had a cool story. Uh, We actually just, I messaged him on social media and he said, sure, email my person. And we did. And then we interviewed him like he's um, and on Twitter and stuff. We've actually like he's responded and replied to some of our tweets and stuff. He's really great on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that interview that... is definitely a memorable day for all of us because mm-hmm. that morning, I'm pretty sure, was the what was it? Amo six. So, yeah, that morning I was in my first class of the day, not paying much attention because I was watching a lot uh, just checking in r slash spacex and breaking news the static fire had failed and i'm just like this is crazy like how could this happen and then you know we had scheduled this interview and we come up with a list of questions uh and that gets sent and they tacitly approve and everyone's prepared to go in and, and do the interview and i mean i guess we were the first probably the first group of people to get a response on the accident from Tori Bruno because it was less than 12 hours after it had happened. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things that kind of surprised me was we, like with Chris Hatfield, we asked questions that we hadn't heard answered really anywhere else. So, you know, we thought might as well ask him. And he was very open and technical in his responses. And I was very surprised at how much information he was willing to share about like how aces might work um and and other things so i I was really grateful for that episode i think it was like we all of us involved were very well spoken and um got great technical information and it was just entertaining yeah we managed to hit cislunar 1000 which is ula's multi-decade like commercial space plan yeah Uh, we covered aces uh advanced cryogenic evolve stage we also covered smart reuse and when you think of you know a high level executive it's like yeah these are the programs my engineers have come up with i'm here to market those to congress and to to customers he was right in the thick of it he answered any technical questions we wanted 
he had some great technical insight of like, okay, well, we're pursuing smart reuse because of X, Y, and Z compared to full booster reuse. This is how ACES plans to work. And it was just really, really wonderful. And it really speaks to his background as an engineer and how he's taking that, his you know stuff he learned in school and applying it to leading one of the United, uh, United States launch providers. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, uh, those are my top three, but I special shout out to, um, we, we actually interviewed Brendan Byrne from WMFE, um, and that really got the ball rolling on having a whole community of space podcasts. There's um, We Martians, uh, Miko, Main Engine Cutoff, um, Interplanetary Podcast, and Are We There Yet? We talk to these guys that do these podcasts regularly, and you know, I'm just super grateful that, like, just like us here, we just want to talk about space. And there's more people that want to do it, and more people that want to do podcasts. And it's super friendly, and we share information, and um, sometimes share contacts, and sometimes appear on each other's shows. And I never expected that either. Uh, but it's something I'm extremely grateful for. So what about you, TJ? What were your top three? Yeah, so uh, there's been a couple of episodes already mentioned that I really, really liked. The stereo mission was wonderful. Tori Bruno, Chris Hadfield were wonderful. Uh, But in my top three, definitely the Gravitational Waves interview with CCRG, which we already talked about. And there's two, or two and a three-ish other ones. Uh, Our interview with one of the PIs on the James Webb Space Telescope. That one surprised me when we sat down i was like okay well we've heard about james webb and how long it's taken how much it costs and you know it's going to be the successful hubble it's like okay but to sit down and get really super technical discussions of how the whole satellite works one of my favorite parts was just talking about the thermal dissipation system because phil had done some of that in his research and to understand how the sun shield can dissipate heat to get to almost absolute zero just blew my mind. It was a ton of fun to talk about. And also uh, just realizing that this project had been the beginning of this person's career, had gone on for 20 years, and when it launches, potentially this entire person's career at NASA is going to be doing development and research on James Webb, which I just think is just amazing. Um, So it was definitely a ton of fun to do, and I really enjoyed listening to that episode. Then tied for in the top three is our post IAC International Astronomical Congress 2016 and 2017 episodes. Those are fun. Because this was breaking down the unveiling of the interplanetary transport system and then the rejiggering into uh, BFR and BFS. And that's something that had a ton of hype behind it. We're all super (laughs) excited and we all sat there we watched it live and then just bursting with questions and reactions and excitement after both was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm surprised we haven't mentioned is Augie actually went to the small sat symposium. That was a in, fun episode. In Logan, Utah. Yeah, you were our field reporter. Field reporter, yeah, for the, the small sat conference. Actually, Gwen, Gwen Shotwell gave a talk there. She was one of the keynote speakers. And I remember we. I think that same night of her talk had a podcast and we went on and on for, I think, like three hours. I don't, I don't remember what the actual podcast was, but we had a lot of content there to talk about. 
that was a fun one. Yeah, the uh, episode where we talk about Gwen Shotwell's keynote is our number one most downloaded episode. Is it really? Because we, I think we were the one of the ones to do breaking news for that. So mm-hmm. we took the whole speech. Yeah, I was live uh, tweeting. Broke it. down all the oh, announcements. Yeah. yeah, we got some live tweets that got posted and spread around. That episode covered kind of a breakdown of all the exciting announcements from that. Um, and then we actually had Anthony the next year was at SmallSat because of his PhD research. So we got a second round of SmallSat from last year. So it's definitely a really exciting time because Specs has been in the SmallSat space uh, since the beginning. Yeah, this is a good segue to future stuff. So, um, you know, we talked about the past and present of how we run the podcast and what we've done. But in the future, um, we're definitely going to continue. I don't see any any end in sight for SpecsCast. Um, one thing I really want to do in the future is to continue to go to conferences, continue to talk to experts in the field. And rather than speculating and being, you know, those internet guys that, you know, just post comments and have thoughts, I want to see what other people are thinking um, in the industry and, I don't know. I, I don't really want to be a reporter. Hey, Augie, you want to go to Germany in October? What's in Germany? The International Astronomical Congress. It's in Bremen. It's during Oktoberfest, too. Yeah, I'm a 90% yes. I'll go. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% yes, as long as someone goes with me. I'm ready to go. And even I don't think Elon's going to do his talk this year, but just talking to uh, people in the industry and a lot of the side talks. Uh, these past two years have been overshadowed because the breaking news is SpaceX right. and BFR. Right. Uh, but even last year, Lockheed Martin had their whole uh, Mars lander concept using evolved Orion technology, which we talked about a little bit, but obviously BFR, bigger, more capable, more shiny and exciting. Yeah, um, the, the problem there is money. I guess, do you want to talk monetization? I mean, in the past, we've been asked by multiple people if we accept donations. And, um, we've looked at things like Patreon and things. but So the current state for our audience, we are technically funded through RIT, through RIT Space Exploration. And RIT and RIT affiliates are nonprofits. So we can't go out and sell things and generate profit unless we follow lots of different um, financial rules through RIT. And we're in a lucky position through uh, the generous sponsorship of a group called Computer Science House that all of our hosting for the website and the blog and our episodes is free. And for a lot of podcasts, hosting episodes is the number one expense. So thank you, CSH. You guys are great. Down the road, uh, obviously, the last... or. Pretty much the last SpecsCast contributor is going to graduate, Drew, very soon. And that will mean that we're not technically students uh, of RIT anymore. We're just alumni. And at that point, we'll consider changing things around. Uh, But our goal is to just put out content and try not to stress about the the little things there. Uh, That said, though... That said, though, uh, if people do want to contribute and, you know, in the form of donations, you know, we're not accepting monetary donations, but social capital is what 
what we need, basically. So sharing uh, the podcast around, recommending it to people, leaving a review on iTunes, um, and getting the word out that we're doing this podcast, or even like giving us a tip on a cool topic or mm-hmm. an interesting person to interview. Those are the things that are valuable to yeah, us. Yeah, it was a listener who got us in contact with Holly Griffith for last episode's interview. That's right. That's right. It was a recommendation off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Things like topics to discuss, leaving iTunes reviews, sending us emails. Uh, if you have a contact, whether it's someone you know or someone you'd like us to talk to that we can reach out to, all of those, more than welcome and encouraged. Financial donations or support, check back in six months to a year because yeah. we want to have a plan uh, so that when we shift everything from nonprofit RIT to on our own, everything goes smoothly and ideally none of you guys notice anything different. Right. Um, that said, like in personal investments, uh, we contribute some money to our own, you know, show. I plan on upgrading my audio workstation sometime this year um, from a Blue Yeti and a pop filter and that's it to maybe, um, you know, like a shock mount, a fancy microphone, a mixer, all things that I've done some research on and gotten recommendations from from other podcasters to get real broadcast quality, radio quality sound. Um, and the the point of that is not like right now it's good enough. I want to, you know, I, I care. I want to take it to the next level. And I've also been thinking about other types of shows we can do. So rather than just commentary, maybe do, you know, a six to ten minute episode on this one thing right. like this one sciencey thing right. something you might hear on the radio or on npr that that's the dream um and i'm sure you guys also have different types of episodes you might want to do and stuff like that yeah do we want to take a couple minutes to just brainstorm some future episode ideas and then you know listeners can comment or tweet at us if they prefer something over another that's a good idea future episode ideas we haven't done this in a while because we've been kind of taking it as it comes there's been a lot of crazy news so far mm-hmm. i want to visit a nasa center i want to get in touch with uh i want to find the right people to get in touch with at a nasa center i'm real close so you to visited NASA a nasa center and we've recorded for an episode we've been to J- uh, jet propulsion lab i want to go back wallops flight facility um i've been there recorded a lot of audio but recorded too much audio and i got tiring <laughs> but i want to go to maybe nasa ames or whatever and take a look around and, and talk to some people. But I don't really know who to get in talk, contact with. I have been wanting to do an episode on spacesuits for a long time. There, we, were, we reached out to the spacesuit development at uh, in Houston. Um, yeah, Johnson. Johnson Space Center. And I've talked with some people at UTC Aerospace, who are the people who design the current iteration of the spacesuit. And... There's obviously the quite a while ago now, but the SpaceX and Boeing. Yeah, it was Boeing each released spacesuit concepts. We saw the SpaceX one on Starman. Uh, so that's an episode that I want to research a little more in depth, but that probably won't be until after I graduate in May. That would be a fun one. That would be a really fun one. I think we should do a deep dive too on all the small sat launchers that are out there. I mean, that, that industry has really just grown a ton over the past few years, and we haven't yet deep dove into all of those. That we were supposed to handle that on 
one or two episodes ago, and we went over time. So we have yeah. an outline on that. I think we should have its own episode. I, if any listeners know someone like an expert to get into contact with, maybe someone that knows someone else at Rocket Lab or something, we'll send them an email for sure. But having an inside person is um, always great if they can recommend us. Like get get someone that designed the Rutherford engine. Someone or who designed those. You know, like how amazing would that be? What about you, TJ? Um, I personally prefer to just stick my head into the river and just see what comes out. Because one of the things that I really, really enjoy is we have a Slack group for RIT Specs. And we have a channel that is Specscast News. So we have Twitter accounts and we'll post other things from email letters of all the things happening in space. So from space reporters, space companies... And so we get a ton of posts from that every single day. Um, and usually we'll find something every one day or two days that's like, oh, that's something that we don't like to talk about on the show. So I like to do that and continue to do that. Um, there's a lot of cool news um, kind of coming up that I like to cover is the Arian 5 situation, um, which we'll have a whole... We might do a whole episode on this, but they put the wrong coordinates into the computer before launch, which sounds obscene uh, for something that expensive and that simple. Uh, but that's not the first time this has happened. It happened on a Russian launch not too long ago. Um, so from taking those two like news items, right, those one-liners, and doing the research onto how rocket guidance systems work, different kind of launch control and that kind of stuff, and forming that out into its own episode. So that's kind of how my episode topic process works, where I find bits and pieces and try to find ways to weld those together into a full episode. Is there anything that the audience could do to help out in your in your quest? Send us stuff that you want to hear. Because if you find a specific thing that you're super passionate about and you'd let us know, that gives us incentive to say, okay, Let's prioritize that. Let's do a deep dive into that. Because part of the fun is doing the research for our own benefit. And we get to learn more. And then we get to share it to you. We did a whole episode on the green propellant infusion mission. Which a listener said, hey, this is a co-payload on a CRS mission. I think it's really cool. You guys should look into it. And we took three or four research papers that had talked about the development of the thruster. Read through them. Did some extra research. And kind of did a tie into how current satellites uh, use hydrazine versus electric propulsion. And that became a whole episode. And I really enjoyed doing the research, really enjoyed doing the episode. So things like that, where if you're passionate about it, we're probably going to be passionate about it because we share a lot of the same interests as our audience. And then we can share that with even more people. Yeah, we do have a blog. Was it blog.specscast.com, right? Um we don't really post to it often, um, but... Because it's, it's, it's down. <laughs> yeah. Um, sh- um, so posting to the blog, one thing that I really want to do is start writing for it. I ended up writing an eight-page rant that turned into our discussion on um, the Humanity Star, which you can listen to now on episode 43, I believe. But... Um, one thing that I really don't want to do is write short articles on things that everyone else is already talking about, like 
news and things. I want to talk, get into. We don't want to be Business Insider. Side note: Business Insider publishes this article on how ULA Vulcan will use one secret trick to compete against SpaceX. Is that what I? Is that what I posted? <laughs> yes, with a yeah. uh, video that's three years old, using yeah. quotes that are equally as old. And it's like, come on, guys, <laughs> that is old yeah. news. Well, I mean, I don't want to be reading something. I get a lot of my news from Reddit. I don't want to be posting a quick article on something I read on Ars Technica, The Verge, or, or Reddit. I want to get into a topic and really discuss it. Um, you know, that's something I'm interested in. I don't know what, what people want to read and what's new to them. So I'm looking for advice on that. Yeah, the blog, we can say that we, we had blog 1.0, uh, which we put three or so articles on. And we're working on the technical side of things. Blog 2.0, we're going to have every episode that we publish will have an accompanying post that will have at least a description, but most likely links and resources so you guys can read more. Um, where Phil has his, you know, thesis on <laughs> test payloads. Uh, I'm planning on doing a article on Russian um, development programs. So... Rockets they designed but never actually built. We're probably like I'm thinking of doing a throwback Kerbal Space Program series. Drew reminded me that I have the version, the second or third version of KSP ever released, 0.7, stored all the way from 0.7 to 0.13 or 14, which is when it went on Steam. So that's a ton of history there, and I know. A good portion of our audience has heard of the game or played it and tracking how those changes occurred because uh, it's something that is important to me and I think will be fun for the users to look back onto and look at. I think um, we're coming up on an hour of recording here. I think a good thing to close out on is asking people how they want to interact with us or what's best for them because we do a lot on Twitter. Um, we don't receive that many emails and publishing a podcast is very one-sided. We talk to each other and kind of shout that out to the world. Um, so if there's like a specific social media site that you, people like to participate with people on, um, if you want to do live shows or message us some other way, you know, we can look into those things if, if that's what people are interested in. Um, but yeah, that that's about it for the future of Specscast. This is, I'm glad we'd still do this after two years, guys. Me too. I'm glad I've become a part of it. Augie, are you going to be back on more episodes in the future? Yeah, I will. I will come. Are you in your office right now? No, I'm not in my office. I'm in my house. Well, I think this is the my first apartment. time I've seen your house. This is my new apartment. Just see, you have a couch. You're living the life. I don't. <laughs> I have a beanbag chair. Beanbag chairs are comfortable. See, you can see where my priorities are where I'm getting a, a microphone suspension arm before a couch so that's fair i'm still on don't tell phil i'm still on iphone headphones <laughs> <laughs> two years later <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i try and like be careful of what, what room i'm in and I stuff mean, like that we've but it's generally improved i think the trend is up if you remember back to the hadfield episode uh phil you were i think on co-op at the time you were out in California, and you went to a coffee shop. Yep. You went to a Starbucks and recorded on your phone. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. The audio was not the greatest. And you're you like Phil's muting his mic every time. Uh, the whole th- he had to ask a question. I was in my office. That was when I had, I was already working at my current job. I was home on something very similar to this platform. That's my current desk. Yeah, so I don't have a desk either. Don't tell anyone, but I cut work to do that episode. No, I was I was at lunch at the. <laughs> it, it, it was actually a bar next door, and I asked for the Wi-Fi password. And they're like. Why? And I said, I'm going to talk to an astronaut. And they're like, oh, okay, here you go. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right, guys, two years. Uh, here's to another two yeah. years of SpexCast. Am I right? Woo! Woo! Let's drink water. All right, to everyone still listening to this episode, thank you. If you liked it, you can subscribe to future episodes and check out our uh, catalog of content that's now over 50 episodes long, including interviews like the ones we mentioned today. Let us know what you think. Um, Leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast service of choice, or reach out to us via Twitter at RITSpecs. Next week, we'll have a regular episode talking about the technology and science of space exploration. And as always, um, you can send us an email as well, specscast at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. Specscast out.